Welcome to Entrepreneurship Happens, where we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly in your entrepreneurial journey. This week, we'll be talking to Lisa Levy, a business consultant that shows other business owners how to navigate the roller coaster ride that is the entrepreneurial journey. Also, please do not forget to like, subscribe, and share on all of our social media platforms. So without further ado, let's get into it. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business owner? Or is your target audience entrepreneurs or business owners? Then we definitely have a spot for you. Become an advertiser or an actual guest on our podcast. We are stepping forward and we'd love to have you a part of our team. Send an email to info at entrepreneurshiphappens.com and we'll get right back to you and get you all scheduled and on our list. See you then. All right. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Do us a huge favor and let our listeners know who you are and what do you do? I am Lisa Levy. I am the founder of L-Cubed Consulting, and I am the preferred disruption and innovation catalyst. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, I mean, so Lisa, could you, could you like break that down? That, that sounds very complex and, and like, can you break it down a little bit? Oh, I, I'd be happy to. And it is so much fun. <laughs> So as a disruption and innovation catalyst, I work with my clients to help them understand what's going on in their business so Uh that they can challenge the way they've always done things to make things better so that they can grow and they can scale. I'm sorry. As soon as we get stuck in, right, doing the things day in and day out, and we do them over and over and over again, we forget why we ever may have started doing them in the first place. And we forget to ask the question, are we doing it well? That's true. That's true. That's very true. So So why did you you become an entrepreneur? Oh, I I, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I never thought I would be. Um, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and it terrified me because sometimes things were really, really good. And sometimes things were really, really, really bad. And I never wanted to live my life that way. So I went to school, I got a degree, I got a corporate job and I had, you know, a title, I had a salary, I had paid time off. I had a 401k, I had a retirement plan and I hated getting up for work every day and mm-hmm. often times was literally crying as I drove myself to work to my dream job. Wow. And so one day I was called in to have a conversation with the CEO of the company mm-hmm. and he was talking at me and talking and talking and talking and talking. And I honestly don't remember a word that the man said. Oh, wow. Right. Not, I I remember absolutely nothing of the conversation. I know that I smiled and I nodded my head and I mm mm-hmmed and ah ahawed along the way because he continued and talking and talking. And I left his office and I went next door to get a cup of coffee. 
And I stopped dead in my tracks as I was walking back across the parking lot to the office, staring up at this huge building. And I asked myself, what am I doing here? And I didn't have a good answer, right? I have a little angel on one shoulder saying, you're going to work. This is what you've always wanted to do. You're building a team of project managers. They're doing great things. You have safety, you have security, you have all of this other stuff. And then the devil on the other shoulder said, you're miserable. Right. What is all of that worth if you hate every moment of your life? Right then and there, I became an entrepreneur. It didn't, you know, it didn't all happen magically, but it was that moment that I decided something had to change. Right. Right. That was 14 years ago. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. But I, I definitely understand, you know, <laughs> I before I went full-time in my business, I would stay in my car. <laughs> I was trying to force myself to get out of the car to do my job. So I definitely understand that. So question for you, Lisa, what do you find most enjoyable? What do you love the most about being an entrepreneur? I like to describe it as the roller coaster ride. I love getting on board and you know that there's twists, you know that there's turns and on certain days, there may be a couple of loop-de-loops that leave you feeling a little sick in your stomach, <laughs> but I'm making the choice to get on that roller coaster and I'm designing the experience and I'm choosing who I work with, when I work with them, why I work with them. Right. And it's being able to make that impact to help other people realize their dreams and grow and build businesses that are adding value to their customers. So mm. when I work when I work with clients, my goal is to improve the customer journey and the experience not for my client but for their clients because that's right. what makes their business successful. Wow. That's really good. So what do you find most challenging about being an entrepreneur? Building recurring business, right? It is. It can still be a feast or a famine experience. And if things are going really well, and I'm not a big company, there are a few of us, but we're not huge. And that's by design. But that, that sales cycle, that business development, lead generation, keeping that funnel full and making all of that happen, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Right. Right. Yes, I, I can understand that. What about now? How has you becoming an entrepreneur? How has that shaped your circle, your inner circle between your family and your friends? Um, are they supportive? Have they um do they think you're crazy? <laughs> oh, all right. So 14 years in. And the reactions are still right a mixed bag. In the beginning, everybody thought I was crazy. Everybody thought that I was crazy because I was walking away from right an ideal looking job right. with nothing but potential and opportunity for growth in front of me. So they thought, right? Right. And from the people that I worked with, there was a perception that I was going into competition 
with almost everybody that I knew in my professional circle. Oh, wow. Which to me was bunk and absolutely stupid. But 14 years ago, when you left and became an independent consultant, you were seen as competing with everybody else. 14 mm. years later, that is collaboration with more people than I could ever have on staff, right? There right. are so many entrepreneurs out there who are doing things that are similar to what I do, that aren't exactly what I do, but it complements what I do. What I can design for my clients is so much deeper and richer because we work in collaboration, not competition with people right. who are a little sure. bit like. That makes sense. That makes sense. My family, my dad, he was, he is, and was the entrepreneur. And so he gets it. My mom is afraid of everything. <laughs> and this life that I've chosen terrifies her because she's a retired school teacher. And so she has a pension and she has all of these things that mm -hmm. give her a sense of safety and security that she knows I don't have in the same way. Right. And it freaks her out to this day. Wow. And you would think she wow. would be used to it with your dad being a entrepreneur. So, okay. So the other piece of that is they are divorced and there's a reason oh. for that. And it has a lot oh. to do with we're, risk we're taking. Yeah. I missed that part. Risk taker versus risk adverse. So there's a reason <laughs> <laughs> that she's still terrified for me. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You turned out to be more like him. Yeah, I, I yeah. get that. I get that. I get that. So, so what's one thing that you know now that you wish you knew that when you started 14 years ago? The list of lessons I have learned is long. The list of lessons is probably books worth of information. But for people who are thinking about making that jump, I literally did it on a whim with zero planning. So at that point in my career, I was a trained project manager and I led teams of people who were project managers. I, everything I had ever done in my career came with a detailed plan about how to get from point A to point Z. And in a whim, I jumped and said, I am doing something different with no plan whatsoever. I do not recommend that approach to anyone. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. I do recommend listening to that voice that's telling you you need to do something different and figuring out what it looks like, designing what it's going to be, planning and understanding the financial implications of building a business. Right. Start doing it on the weekends before you leave a job that's paying you an income. <laughs> Build a foundation, plan for some growth, stockpile pennies and nickels and dimes and have a safety net because no matter how long you think it's going to take triple that estimate in your mind it's hard work to get it going so the most important lesson i learned is to not be um cavalier about making that change because it can be really it can be financially catastrophic if you don't do it right I understand that. <laughs> I wanted uh, the ones who took a leap too, so I understand that. Well, you, 
You were cavalier too? Wow. <laughs> so what's one of the best things that's happened uh best things that's happened to you since you became an entrepreneur? So the ability to control my destiny. Um over time, figuring out, you know, I don't believe that work-life balance is an achievable thing. Balance just doesn't quite exist. It's always a series of trade-offs and compromises, but in each moment, being able to pick what's important. And mm -hmm. if it means I'm working night and day, night and day, night and day right now, because this piece of my business needs it, I can contrast that in the future and make the time about me and my family. Like and with that, a rule that I created for myself is there is one day out of every business week that I schedule nothing. Mm -hmm. So my Friday is mm -hmm. time for me to think. It's right. time for me to plan. It's time for me to play. There are no meetings okay. on my calendar. I love that. I love that. Okay. Okay. So Lisa, on the flip side, what's the worst thing? you being an entrepreneur how did you bounce back and what did you learn from that the the i don't know if it's the worst thing but the hardest thing was having an engagement with a client that ended up being a really toxic environment mm. and i took a team of people in with me mm. and we were verbally berated and demeaned by this client on like a daily basis. Wow. Um, threatened if I don't, you know, Friday afternoon, um, if I don't stay until whatever it is that he wanted was done, don't bother coming back in on Monday. And so I'm a little bit naughty. And that was like a challenge. So I turned around and walked out the door right after that conversation with a big old attitude on my shoulders, right? And I wandered back in on Monday morning and he called me into his office and he said, well, I can't believe that you're here. And I said, well, I really wanted to come in and tell you I'm not staying. I'm taking my team with me. And this was actually your choice. Mm. At that moment in time, that's the only business I had on the books. And it Damn. was my income and three other people. Over the weekend, we had all talked. I didn't make that decision rashly. Right. But nobody should be treated the way that we were being treated. And it wasn't, we weren't an isolated instance. That's how he treated everybody. I left his office. I collected my team and sent them on their way. And I went back in to talk to somebody else in the organization at a higher level with a document that explained everything that was going on and why I left. Mm. after we left the next consulting team left and the next consulting team left and a toxic individual a bad leader was really clearly identified so it was the hardest decision I've made because I didn't have the ability to immediately take those other people and give them new and different work but with every fiber of my being I had to do the right thing for me and my people. And right. ultimately, right, everybody else in that environment benefited because it just sort of took that one. And that's the first time mm -hmm. I was like the power of being a catalyst 
right? Everybody mm-hmm. knew it was bad and everybody was afraid. Right. Well, right. I decided not to be afraid because right. I'm building a business that aligns with my beliefs and my values. And I was no longer willing to compromise any of it. Right. 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 I like that. I like that. Oh. So would you consider that the craziest thing that's happened to you since you became an entrepreneur? Is that the craziest thing? <laughs> like it as might... far as like crazy clients, crazy situations? Because it seems like for our question, that kind of fits both. <laughs> it does. I mean, and it really was, it, it, it was a challenge and it was an awful experience. The environment was absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, it probably does fit all of those things. I think the craziest thing I, I've done, and it, it, it's a personal story, but it links back to the entrepreneur's journey. The craziest thing I've ever done when my stepson turned 21, we went skydiving. Oh, wow. And we jumped out of a perfectly good airplane <laughs> because it was fun. Yeah, that's, right, yeah, that's, right, that's, right. Crazy. that's crazy. That's crazy. And we did it for his 21st birthday because he'd been talking about it for about six years. And we did it when he turned 21, because when we were done, he wanted to go to the bar and have a tequila shot and celebrate the fact that we were still alive. (laughs) So It was awesome. But it, for an entrepreneur, right? That is that leap of faith that we take every day. Right. And it is the decisions that we make in our business about being in control of our outcomes, about taking calculated risks and enjoying the rush of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, if you can't step into uncertainty, if you can't step into risk and a little bit of discomfort, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be on the entrepreneur's path. Right. Because that's where we live. (laughs) Right. Okay. Right. I like that. I like that. I like that. So I mean, Lisa, I, I wanna I wanna see if this little bit of naughty that you just that you that you talked about, is it in your musical playlist? What do you listen to throughout the day? If you do listen to music that gets you kind of in a certain groove or vibe. Oh my gosh, I listen to so much music. So music is on in my house. I work from home. It is on every room of the house all day long from sunrise till I I go to bed. And the playlist varies depending on who else is in the house with me. (laughs) So if if I am truly alone in the house and I am working on things that require some energy and that could be business work, that could be, you know, like doing laundry, whatever it takes, right? I have got the Foo Fighters going and it's loud and it's proud and I, I, I live there. If there are other people in the house, that doesn't necessarily appeal. Um, there's a local Arizona band called Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And there's a vibe to their music that is kind of all about sitting on a beach in Mexico drinking margaritas. And that keeps okay. me in a very, very happy place. I can roll it back to the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac. Okay. Um, and if I'm feeling particularly naughty you know i can throw some kid rock in there so you go a little old school there but um late at night for my mellow time with a glass of wine some mm-hmm. nina simone oh nice plays in. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm all over the board and <laughs> I talk good. about in my head, there are all of these voices that are constantly in there telling me these different things. And so I think each of the little voices in my head has their own musical taste. Okay. <laughs> well, what motivates you? The thing that motivates me the most is solving a puzzle. And so for the work that I do with my clients, and I don't mean a jigsaw puzzle because that is just not it. That is I, when I'm 80, maybe, but that's not what I'm talking about is the puzzle. Clients need coaches, consultants, advisors when things aren't going the way that they think they're, they're supposed to be going. Their business is a puzzle, um, maybe more like a Rubik's cube than a, a jigsaw puzzle. And I like to turn things and test and experiment and change the way that people do things to get to the results that we want. And so solving those puzzles and making businesses more effective, that's what motivates me, seeing that end result. And when the teams that I'm helping have their aha moments, they go, oh my God, this is so much better. That's everything for me. I like that. I like that. I like that too. So Lisa, how would you define an entrepreneur's success? And do you consider yourself to be successful? Oh, an entrepreneur's success, I think only the entrepreneur can define for themselves. I think we all have our own definition of success and it means so many different things. Mm -hmm. So first one for me, most businesses, new businesses fail in the first year. Mm -hmm. And there's the next line at maybe five years. I'm at 14. So on that kind of measure, I guess I'm successful. I keep mm -hmm. on keeping on. Even there are years where I wonder why. <laughs> there have been some years <laughs> along the way. Oh my. But I think for me more specifically, it has more to do with, can I do the things I want to do when I want to do them? Right. Can I take my family and go on vacation? Can we you know, step away for a week or 10 days and just turn off our technology, hang out and have fun because we want to? Right. Um, can I, you know, can I choose to let a client, can I fire a client? Mm. That's a, a sign of success for me because that first one hurt. Right. Yeah. One hurt a lot. Right. I haven't had to do it since because I'm better about picking the clients at the beginning mm -hmm. and align with values and goals. And we're, we're going after the same sorts of things. Right. And I think that's a definition of success for me is having the ability to be picky about the groups right. that I work with and the teams that I work with. Right. But yeah. And, and also, and right. It comes down to me being able to do what I want when I want, because I want to. And that's, that's a great thing. You know, um, like you said, when we start to you know, we take on anybody and everybody and we're afraid to let them go, but getting into that safe space of where, you know, I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't need to work with everybody, anybody, and we become better at vetting our clients. So definitely I agree with you there. So how do you deal with and manage feelings of self-doubt or imposter syndrome? Um those feelings are always there. We're recording this conversation on a Monday. For me, it's still kind of morning. And 
Monday mornings are still really hard for me to get up and doing what I want. And it's everything I've write. I've got all of those criteria. It's still Monday. And I go, oh my God, I cannot believe that people let me do the things that I do. I have, why, why would anybody trust me with all of these things? And that imposter syndrome feeling and that self doubt mm-hmm. is very present very regularly. And what I've learned over years of practice is to ask the question, prove it to me. Where's the proof that you're not worthy, that you're not capable, that you're not. And if I, and if I'm having a particularly bad day, really sitting with that and looking for fact-based proof to prove the imposter, it's hard to prove that. And so, right. So I'm listening to limiting beliefs. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying into all of that stuff, but I can't, I can't prove it true. So I have to let it go. Right, right, right. That's good. That's a good practice. Yeah. Really good. So I know you what you say you have a team, but um, how, how important, have you ever, if you have a mentor and how important do you think a mentor is or a coach is in, 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 in like the success of being an entrepreneur? Okay. So I think mentors and coaches are different. So in my career, holistically, as a woman who came up in IT, I did not have a mentor Mm -hmm. and I looked desperately for mentors and they weren't there. Um, Mm -hmm. I was the first woman in leadership um, in IT organizations where I worked and there was nobody else around that table that was, you know, that was mentor worthy. Um, as an entrepreneur, right? Having a mentor is great, but having a coach is more important. Sometimes mentors are are our friends and they soften the things that they share with us. And they might be a little bit more delicate and gentle with the feedback and things that they give. An actual coach is you're paying them to be real with you. Right. And to hold you accountable and to help. And my coach is the one who helped me learn the exercise of show me the facts that you're not worthy, that you're not capable. Mm. And I learned that because I do have a business coach and I have relied on somebody to give me that third party objective input that, let's face it, is more valuable because I'm paying for it. Right. right. And that's the premise of consulting and coaching and everything that goes on in business. When I was working at that last company, I was giving insight, advice, guidance. That was fantastic. That leadership team actioned it when the consultants gave the exact same advice, Mm -hmm. guidance and counsel. So there is power in that external objective third party. Right, right, right. I can understand that. So what's next for you? What do you see yourself doing to expand your business? Or are you doing working on a new project? What's next? The the next thing is 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 live and is growing, and it is my video and interview podcast, Disrupt and Innovate. Nice. Um, it is doing great things on Apple Podcasts right now and actually. In the upcoming weeks, we'll be launching the YouTube channel to support it because the interviews will all be video based. But I am talking with 
leaders who challenge the status quo on a big scale and make mm-hmm. some real changes in, in industries that I want those conversations to serve as inspiration for smaller businesses because it's easier for a smaller business to make change than a huge corporation. Corporations have big dollars to throw at things, but the smaller companies have the ability to actually influence change faster, far more efficiently than any large company. So I want to have the big conversations to learn the insights so that we can use them in the smaller places because we can make an impact faster. Awesome. Well, congrats on the podcast growing and everything. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, you also mentioned you have a team. Um, How important is having a team and how did you build your team? Let's be really, yes, that's a great question. So my team is a an alliance of partners. I do not have employees. Okay. And that was a personal choice because I really, the, the whole payroll experience and running that part of the business was not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. On one hand, that may be a mistake that I've made that I'm going to have to live with because the business itself is me, but the team is huge. Right. The team is as big as I need it to be. And these are people that I've known for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I trust and know what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And when I sign on and do work with a client, I can bring in the exact skills and capabilities and expertise that they need. As opposed to a traditional consulting company that has a headcount of hundreds or thousands or whatever it is, and they give you the resource who is not assigned to another project. Mm. I bring subject matter expertise specific to the client's needs. Mm. And that has given me a tremendous amount of freedom in being able to do things for clients that are beyond my, my knowledge by far. Oh, wow. That's cool. So are they like contractors or just the people in your network that you can bring on, but they understand it's like, under your umbrella, your company? Right. We, we do partnerships. I do okay. um, master service agreements with them. And so oh, everything okay. is under the banner of me, but they come in right. as service providers, uh, they're corp to corp relationships. And that way, so everybody for the, the business portion, right? Everybody is insured and we have all of those things covered in each individual entity so that the clients are well protected. Um how did you, for our listeners that think that might be a way to go, because like you said, handling payroll or going through a secondary might be, uh, especially when you're a solopreneur and you want to expand, that might be uh, a way of doing it. And then, um, you know, people always say Fiverr and stuff like that, but you got to be really careful with those sites on who you, you know, uh, work with there, how would they go about setting up a partnership agreement? Like, how did you get that together? Um, how let our listeners know about that? Um, there are several different ways you can go about doing it. And some of it, right. I'll go with easy and risky to maybe more expensive, but less risk. Right. If you have done business in the past, there's a possibility that you have a copy of a contract that was used in an, right? And you can just sort of copy what's been done before. 
Um, there are paralegals that you can find who will help draft things that they're, they're not lawyers, but they understand you know, how to create a contract um, all the way up to actually hiring an attorney to create your template. Right. Um, and I did something sort of in the middle of that. I, I had worked in professional services through my earlier career. So I had mm -hmm. templates. I had okay. things. I took them to an attorney to make them, to simplify them. Right. So old contracts had all the legal ease, the wherefore, whereas, mm -hmm. you know, crap. And in today's world, contracts can be two pages. They can be written in plain English and they can be legally. <laughs> That's true. And that is my recommendation is to get to the one, you know, two or three pages maximum written in plain English. Right. Um, that is legally binding. And so it is worth paying a few hundred dollars to a professional to get you to that document, especially if it's something that you're going to grow your business this way, you're going to use it often. Right. And that's the best way to do it. Awesome. How did you, um, but how did you, with the people that you have these contracts with, how did you broach the subject? You said, hey, um, you have the skill set. Could we yeah, so, work on projects together? How did you broach that? So many of them, again, I've known them for a long time. And, mm. and I'll go with a handful of them are working independently because they used to work for me and oh. saw what I was doing and modeled it. And so that, that was oh, easy, okay. right? That was just easy. That's, that's that trusted inner circle, right? That one, that's easy. As I grow beyond that and look for things or skills, you know, that, that we don't have in, in the, the usual suspects, right? right? The usual suspects, we dig into LinkedIn and we start looking in our networks and digging and mm -hmm. looking at finding people. And then, yeah, it is. It's a LinkedIn message saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. It appears that you, you are an independent contractor. Are you interested in looking for work? And then you have conversations and you interview just like in, you know, you're hiring and try and talk to several people to find the right one who aligns with skills and capabilities, but also your beliefs and your values. Right, right. Because they are now representing me and my brand. Right, right. And, and so, you know, going through all of that and then the contractual, you know, relationship behind that you know, there's professional code of conduct and all of those things that kind of gets wrapped into all of it. Right. Um, but that's, you know, the networking, right? It's all networking. And so mm -hmm. LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I live, I, I live in LinkedIn. That is my real presence. <laughs> I don't social media in other places really. Right, right, right. Well, I just love having that other perspective of, oh, that's another way I could work with people and expand without expanding, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And so, right in those relationships, I guess I can dig a little deeper, right? As I'm bidding work, there's different ways that we do projects, right? Here's a contract and we're going to do A, B, C, D, E, and F, and it's going to cost this much money, right? That is a fixed bid contract. If I do a fixed bid contract to my customer and I'm using one of my network alliance partners, right? I, theirs will be, you're going to deliver A, B, C, D, E, F, right? And the dollar amount that you're being paid for it is Y, and it's a not to exceed time, you know, fixed bid in both directions. And I, I share that because, you know, if it's a time and materials, you're billing hour for hour and you can right. bill the client hour for hour. And the person who's doing the work can bill you hour by hour. 
the types of contracts have to match. Mm-hmm. I've seen many, I've seen people make the mistake where they bid to their customer, the fixed bid, and then they have contractors behind them billing hourly. Mm-hmm. That is a real fast way to go out of business. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Cause you could, you could underbid, you could underbid yourself mm-hmm. and end up, you're paying, you're paying them, not the client. Yeah. Correct. That's the risk, right? I mean, it also could win that they're really fast and they got done in a way that, you know, faster than you thought they would and you're more profitable. Mm-hmm. But that's not a risk worth taking because the other side right. is so painful. Right. So right. dealing with, if you're dealing with contracts behind it, it the, the type of contract needs to match what you're doing to your customer. I'm glad that, you put it up. Yeah, that, that balances. That's a great the risk. Tip. Yeah, that's a great tip. Thank you for that. Wow. Uh, uh, so Lisa, you have definitely, oh man, you've really given us a lot to think about and, and, and digest. Um, well, for just for us and our listeners, to give us one final piece of advice that you would give a new entrepreneur starting out. The best piece of advice I like to give somebody who's starting out is to be curious and to stay curious. Mm. Be willing to test and experiment with ideas of how your business should work, what you have in your head, that perfect picture of what it's going to be is never, ever going to actually happen that way. Right. And so always being able to try to do something differently tomorrow than you do it today is important because that will inspire innovation. That will inspire things that you never thought were possible. So be curious, stay curious, and continue to test new ideas. I love that. I love that. Well, tell our listeners how they can find you if they want to work with you and um, your podcast as well. The fastest, easiest way to find me is lisalevy.com. And that will take you into all sorts of things. But I, I speak at corporate events. I speak on stages for you know larger conventions. I work with individual solopreneurs. I work with leadership teams, but it'll take you into all things L-cubed consulting. And in and on those pages, there are links to schedule time and have a conversation and a chat. I love that. I love that. And the podcast again? The podcast is Disrupt and Innovate. It's on all the streaming platforms, but you can also find that on disruptandinnovate.com. And the YouTube channel is L-Cubed Consulting. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Like Hester Troy said, you did give us a lot of information and lots to think about as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you both for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. In today's economy, many are sitting with heavy questions about their careers, finances, and work-life balance. Maybe you're wondering if working two jobs is worth your valuable time and energy, or how to be more available to yourself and your family, or if now is the right time to make that career transition, career advancement, or jump into entrepreneurship. Hi, my name is Tara Hayslip. I'm the CEO of Grounded Energy 111, international bestselling author and spiritual career mentor. I help entrepreneur women and corporate career women create soul aligned careers around their lifestyles. If you are or have been feeling like you want to do more with your career by making that change, 
advancement, or start your own business, I invite you to my free monthly workshop, the Be A Boss Workshop, where you'll meet other women going through similar career transitions and experience an interactive group coaching workshop. For more information, follow me on Instagram at grounded underscore energy 111. Join the Grounded community through my link tree and my Instagram bio. Check things out on my website at www.groundedenergy111.com or email me at tara at groundedenergy111.com. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you for listening to our show today. If there was any part that you liked, please feel free to drop us a voice message. Next week, we'll be talking to Santana Boykin, an entrepreneur that helps other entrepreneurs create businesses through effective networking and establishing business credit. Once again, please do not forget to like, subscribe, and share on all of our social media platforms. And until next time, peace. IRS notices can be intimidating, but waiting to act could cost you your valuable taxpayer rights. Don't try to handle the IRS alone. These agents are trained to track you into agreements designed to collect as much money as possible. Don't pay thousands of dollars to a marketing company claiming to be a tax resolution firm. Get behind the shield. The enrolled agents at Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services are experts at tax resolution, protecting taxpayers' rights, and are federally licensed to represent taxpayers before the IRS. Elite 8 Tax and Financial Services has the knowledge, skill, and experience to assist you with audit representation, liens, levies, offers and compromise, innocent spouse relief, wage garnishment, back taxes, and more. Don't lose sleep, time, or your rights as a taxpayer. Make your appointment today at Elite8Financial.com to schedule a consultation and get the IRS off your back. Get behind the shield.